Hello and welcome to Behind the Counter at the Fly Fisher, a series that aims to give you guys an insight as to what's going on behind the scenes at the shop. Come along for some shop talk, fishing reports and general fly fishing banter. Hello and welcome back to Behind the Counter. Today we have a special guest, Dan. What's your last name, Dan? Mamrot. Mamrot. <laughs> Very special. Rock. Dan, Dan, the rod builder man. Yeah, so Dan is our rod builder here at the Fly Fisher. So when you come in with a broken rod that can't be sent back to the original manufacturer to be repaired, it gets sent off to him to have a guide replaced or the tip shortened. I'm also joined by the usual crew, Andrew, Ross, Max and Forbes. Forbes is sitting very close to me because we have to share a mic. We're doing our best to share, but he is a mic hog. So, <laughs> so if I'm soft, it's because he's pulling it away. He just likes being the centre of attention. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to try and keep this one short and sharp because we went a bit over time last week. So, Andrew, do you want to run us through some sales? Sure, mate. Um, yeah, so the Tosu boot with wader package, uh, that has now ended. Um, we've sold out of some of the sizes, and so uh, for now, the Tosu boots that we have left have been marked down from 300 to 149 So really, uh, really good special there. Um, the fly tying... Uh, clearance that we've got going on in the in the middle of the shop here that's running for another week uh, and at that point we'll be pulling it all out so if you are in need of materials uh, now is definitely the time to get in and fill a basket um, and uh, Roscoe do you want to tell us about your fly selections? Yeah so we've got a package uh, early season fly collection package so you get 24 flies in a free box. These flies have been very carefully thought about and selected for high water, uh, dirty high water at the start of the season. So there's a few squirmy wormies, lots of Max's favourite fly. Yeah, oh. <laughs> he's Hold a purist. Back. Hold them back. <laughs> yeah, that's it. If you're a purist, the box might not be for you. Well, there's only four squirmies um, and plenty of other more traditional flies. So that's going to. Uh, there's two dry flies in there, Max. It's okay. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that's going to see a bit of early season success for you. So $99 and you get a free fly box. They're a bloody good box too, aren't they? Like waterproof and clear lid and it's a good Yeah, it is. Addition. Waterproof box, double-sided uh, with a rubber gasket O-ring in there. Yeah, this double-sided boxes are good because you can separate your nymphs from your dries. Kind of makes sense whether you're just wanting to top up to grab one of these or, you know, if you're just putting together a bit of a fly selection and just getting into it, then equally it's a great a great purchase. Awesome um, gift. Like, just grab it for yeah, somebody that's looking to get into it or is looking for some flies or something like that. With Father's Day coming up too as well, that is a good present for Dad. Yeah, absolute ripper for that. Um, the Sims G3 guide vests are back in stock after how many months? It's been ages. Slightly changed too, the coloration and stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, basically the same same design. They've been out of stock, I reckon, for two years. So pretty uh, pretty good to get them back in. Um, so now, yeah, you've got a, a lot of choice, whether it be packs or vests. Um, everything's well stocked, start of the season. So we've gone pretty heavy on everything. Uh, everyone's getting excited with high water and everything and a lot of rain around. So the fishery's in great shape and it's going to be one hell of a season. What's this fly fishing northeast book? What we were going to mention that? Yeah, um, yeah, we skipped over that. <laughs> yeah. we, we so that's um, this that's is why I run sheet. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of our probably best selling items in the shop. It's a book by Philip Weigel. He's possibly he possibly is the most 
well regarded. He's the oracle. Yeah, he's the oracle. That's a good way to say it. Yes, and he wrote a book called Fly Fishing Northeast Victoria, and it has basically everything you need to know to fish all those streams. We're all getting excited about the rivers opening up this weekend, and uh, if you need a bit of inspiration and, and a, uh, something that you can flick through and maybe highlight a few waters, then that book is definitely it. The book's a lifetime of fly fishing condensed and distilled you know, on those areas and those rivers. So if you're looking for um, some insider tips or looking to explore some new water, it's a great option. Yeah, definitely. Like I bought the, there's also a Western Victoria book, which is great for the lakes. And when I first started fishing lakes, I bought the Western Victorian equivalent of the book and it's absolutely fantastic. Helped me out so much with choosing the right water to fish on the right days. There's a very handsome man on the cover as well. Yeah, I actually got my <laughs> copy signed by one of the models in the book. Um, it did, and then the book devalued by about 30%. <laughs> <laughs> you're, on, you're on the cover of that book, Max. Did you have much to do with uh, the book itself? Um, just fishing experiences with Philip uh, on occasions. I think the content is pretty much uh, you know original Philip. A uh, couple of photos in there of me and, yes, the front cover. Why are you all laughing at what, me? What, <laughs> what, what, what's better for you, Max? Do you prefer a centrefold shot or a cover shot? <laughs> Jeez, don't engage, Max. Uh, These young fellas. <laughs> no it depends. <laughs> oh, God, it depends on the readership. If it's a, if it's a female readership, the centrefold. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, uh, this episode will be definitely marked explicit. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on. Let's <laughs> sweep that under the rug. Um, uh, new stuff that's in the store this week. Um, so I'll briefly run over everything and then we'll talk about everything in more detail. So CNF have totally redesigned their range with removable foam in every fly box. So you can buy an empty fly box and replace the foam. We're going to announce that Scott has released a new rod called the Wave. Um, we've got the f- new Flatsmasters... Uh, airflow lines, the inter-tip lines, back in stock with the new coating, and Orvis have released some fly patches. But um, maybe, uh, Max, do you know much about the CNF range? What do you think of it? Oh, I think it's, um, you know, to have that, uh, the ability to um, have inter- inter- interchangeable, you know, com- compartments, components, um, you know, is, uh, is a great, great asset. You can basically build your fly boxes according to your preferences and the type of flies that you use, and um, you know, great accessibility. Yeah, I guess CNF, uh, the Japanese producer and the first to do that micro-slit foam that kind of everyone copied down the track, but they still remain, I guess, the the more durable and the better quality of all of them. Um, but this is a really innovative step forward for them to just completely revamp all their boxes and make it so that you can click in and out your fly selections uh, according to the water you might be fishing. So you might have one fly box but multiple leaves of foam that have got uh, river flies and lake flies and you can simply just you know click out your river flies and click in your lake flies for a, for an upcoming trip. But you know more than that they've got a, uh, a guide box as well. So for storing all these multiple leaves you've got a, a solution for that as well. So it's just an unbelievably good system. That guide box is fantastic for anyone that ties a lot of flies like i find i fill up my little boxes really quick and having that universal system those leafs in the big guide box makes selecting the flies for my trip really really good yeah and you open that thing up and and you can tell it's like heavy duty um i guess you know construction from plastic but magnetic closure and the leafs you know kind of magnetize in and it's uh yeah just a really good quality bit of kit 
Yeah, as soon as you feel it, it just oozes quality, um, especially that guide box, that big boat box that's incredible. And 12 um, removable foams in that. So if you bought the guide box plus a fly box, that's all you need for everything. Lakes, rivers, salt water, you can just change the foam for wherever you're fishing. And then the chest packs too. So they've upgraded the chest packs to incorporate this click-in, click-out foam. Um, so you've basically got a, an, an all-in-one solution. You've got a way to store all the extra uh, leaves of foam. Uh, you've got the, the chest pack with the fly box inbuilt uh, in multiple sizes as well. Um, and then fly boxes in multiple sizes that, that you can click it in and out of as well. So, yeah, really cool. Uh, we've also got the Scott Wave in this week. Well, let's we talk about that last Okay. Let's skip that save, one. Save the best till last. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Andrew, do you want to talk us through the new Flats Master? Uh, yeah, sure. The Flats Master lines were uh, originally developed in far north Queensland for, uh, I guess, deeper flats fisheries. You know, these sink tip lines that are between sort of 10 and 15 foot sink tips, are just really, really popular and fish so well in that sort of uh, marine environment and our, our deeper flats fishing out of boats. So um, they've upgraded it uh, to incorporate the Ridge 2.0 technology. So you're getting the Ridge on the, on the line. It'll shoot further, float better in the running line, um, and then of course that that semi clear intermediate tip. So a really great line for anyone that's fishing the tropics of Australia. Yeah, definitely. Like that clear tips, definitely becoming a lot more popular um, these days, especially for touchy species like permit and that. I think it makes a difference the colour of your fly line, especially the pointy end uh, where your leader is. Um, we also have the Orvis fly patches in Ross. Yeah, it looked like really good quality foam um, from Orvis. Uh, they're black as well. I've never seen a black fly patch before. They look really slick. Obviously, they're going to attach to everything Orvis makes. So they'll they'll attach to the slings. They'll attach to the waders. Um, and yeah, no, they. I think they're going to be a hit. So that's a. Is that a Velcro attachment? Yeah, Velcro attachment. So you've got a, a patch on waders already, just like the one side of Velcro, and the same with the wader, same with the packs and the waders, and then you can just stick it to the the Velcro you've already got. All right, can we talk about the wave now? <laughs> <laughs> sure, because I cast it yesterday and it's fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Another explicit rating. <laughs> the no, um, I yeah, was. It's sweet, isn't it? I was so surprised. Like I'm like, oh, here we go, new saltwater rod. It's on the you know, sort of middle end of the range. It's going to be just what we've seen before, but it's fantastic. Build quality is not quite what we thought it would be, but it casts fantastically. Performs well, amazing. Yeah, well, Scott have never actually produced a rod in that price point before for, for saltwater, so they're new to the market. I think they have. Um, the fit and finish is, is incredible. I think the only thing you can tell is when you cast a sector between it, that's about the only time you can actually tell. Yeah, I think comparing it, that's a bit of an unfair comparison by me, comparing a top-of-the-range rod to something middle-of-the-range isn't a very fair comparison at all. So for those shopping for a, a just-under uh, premium saltwater fly rod you've got three really good options there from the major brands including the orvis recon uh, the sage maverick and now the new uh, scott wave so uh, plenty of rods in that thousand dollar price range that are definitely worth test casting um, test casting is one of those services that we offer at the shop we've got multiple lines here for the different line weights so that you can test drive any rod that you want before you buy um, 
Definitely the, the Scott Wave is one of those ones that we've been more excited by. Like they're still built in the same factory as the top end Scott fly rods and they've got the the same attention to detail and quality in the build up that you'd expect from any American built fly rod. Um, the components obviously aren't at the same level of componentry that you're gonna find out of the, the more, you know, the sectors that Scott do. Uh, but what you're getting in value for money and performance Wow, I mean that thing just casts like a bullet. Yeah, like you were really giving it some stick at some distance, and it was performing incredibly well. It's just got that power that you that quite often lacks in some of the the lesser quality rods. You know, even with a lot of line out, it seems to be able to just carry all that line and weight. Um, what line would you pick for it? Do we reckon? Uh, well, I mean, that flats master for our local flats and, and, you know, fishing out of a boat would be the obvious choice. But uh, the Infinity Saltwater, if you were looking at a floating line, uh, would be a solid choice. Keep in mind, you know, these rods uh, from Scott in the wave are made from a 6 weight. They probably make them all the way up to a 12. We're actually just stocking them 6 to 10 weight. We feel that's the sweet spot with this particular model of rod. But, um, you know... It, if, even for down south, if you were brim fishing, that six weight and the wave would be sick. Yeah, definitely. Like six weights away to go for brim and that power will help you out with wind in those estuaries for brim, especially in winter on that shipwreck coast. And all, all saltwater componentry on that rod, so um, no need to worry about anything rusting or corroding. Um, so, yeah, you've got full saltwater anodized throughout the whole rod. Dan, your experience with corrosion on fly rods, mate, um, is that something that you see a bit, a bit of corrosion on guides and guides needing replaced? Yeah, absolutely. But um, on those sort of higher quality rods, it, it sort of does take a lot longer for that sort of salt to creep in. Obviously, look after your gear, rinse it off and all that. But yeah, you can definitely tell the difference between the different levels of rods that are coming out. You see it a bit in, in aged rods, don't you know? Like the obviously the epoxy doesn't maybe last for more than a couple of decades and a bit of moisture coming in under the thread work and then the corrosion can start to build in those areas. Yeah, what's particularly important, especially, in, and I was sort of looking over the Scots before, is that at the feet of the guides that they're completely encased in epoxy, that sort of thing, which you, would, you, know, you wouldn't believe some fly rod manufacturers don't actually completely fill in under the foot and all Just that. get that last little bit. <laughs> There's a little void in there that, yeah, it's just moisture wicks in and it's sort of game over, you know. So, yeah, no, I, I was pretty impressed having a look at it before because, yeah, it's very tidy uh, epoxy work and everything, thread work, yeah. Yeah, and guys, that's just the kind of uh, attention to detail that you, you're going to get from Dan, who who is our, our rod builder of choice here at the Fly Fisher. You know, like we um, we do do a lot of warranties in here uh, and, and fly rod repairs. I think uh, last count for, well, last year we did more than 250 uh, broken rods through, through the store. So there's a lot of um, gear that can be brought back to life uh, with a quality rod builder like Dan. So if you need any work done, then drop your repairs off and more than happy to pass them on to Dan and, and have his beautiful work done to them. Yeah, we offer a few sort of services other than your standard retail, I guess, you know, with test casting and things like that too. Absolutely, you, you know, like it's a full service fly shop, so from fly tying, anything to do with gear, um, and of course the education part of which this podcast is a big part of that as well. And we're hoping to open up that education realm a little bit more too, Andrew. We are, mate. Yeah, and a bit of guiding and that kind of thing. You know, we, we really want to be the, I guess, the one-stop shop for anything fly fishing related and, um, and, and just help our customers as best that we can in any way that we can. We are getting a lot of people on the water, so uh, 
already. We've we've um, hooked people up with uh, the likes of Scotty um, from Wilderness and Cam McGregor and a lot of other people. So if you are interested in a trip and you don't I'll know... I'll get you the phone. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> and you don't know where you want to go or what you want to wish for, or you do know what you want to fish for, but you don't know where the best place to go is, give us a buzz. We can organise everything. We can uh, organise the dates and the times and, and the guide for you. So we are doing that as we speak. Yeah, the, the great thing is that we've, we've I guess, built over, uh, well, I mean, the business has been around since 1967. These things don't hap- happen overnight. But our connections with the guides, the areas, well, our familiarity with the areas, we can kind of structure a more tailored package to whatever you're wanting out of a trip. Um, whether that be still water fishing, river fishing, a backcountry experience, you know, we can kind of give you the, the right recommendation and team you up with the right guide for you uh, very easily. So if we can help at all, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. And let's get on to some fishing reports. Uh, let's start with you, Forbesy. What have you been up to? Uh, okay, so yesterday I, I took the day off work and uh, I went to Tullaroop. Uh, with a mate of mine that I've met through the shore, Josh. Did you? How did you manage to get the day off, mate? It was bloody busy in here. Like this is our grand final week, start of the season, and you've just. Chat. I uh, I politely asked, <laughs> <laughs> or told, um, and yeah. I ummed and ahed for about three hours. There was some umming and ahring, and then you sort of look at me and said, "So, mate, are, are you going fishing tomorrow?" And I said. Is that an okay? And and there we go. Um, yeah, no. So I we went to we went to Tullarook, um, and yeah, had a had a good go. We we sort of arrived at nine o'clock um, in the morning and fished until probably quarter to seven at night. Um, left after dark when we couldn't see our fly lines and and uh, we God we flogged the water until till it was foaming and and we actually didn't manage to scratch a fish up. But so is the time on the lakes. I mean. Um, you know, lots of ums and ahs and like sort of, you know, what ifs and, you know, what could have been done to sort of scratch something together. Probably a more skilled angler would be able to do something. But, um, yeah, no, we had a good go and it was cool to fish with somebody new. So shout out to Josh, great fishing partner. And yeah, it was a pretty cool day. Sounds like we had a bit more success at Tullerup on Friday, Andrew. Oh, good segue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we managed to put one fish I thought on we fished Murrumbee, mate. Uh, sorry, what did I say? <laughs> Um, but just, just quickly, uh, so um, tell us a bit more about Josh Forbes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, you've told me to say that he's the barman at Coda, which is a fancy restaurant. Did I say that? You you yeah. did. You did. It's actually Maybe on I'm the just wanting, I'm just wanting the VIP treatment that Max gets. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fishing report says, Tullarook Forbes in brackets, barman at Coda. Um, so that's a that's a flashy restaurant in the city. Uh, I don't I don't know a huge amount about it, but uh, yeah, it's it's a nice restaurant. Um, and Maxie knows all about it. Yeah, Max is a, a regular there, I believe. I I, I do enjoy Coda, great restaurant, and uh, always nice to see Josh there. He makes a great margarita. Yep, fantastic. So shout out to Josh, his margarita, and his uh, and his uh, keenness to fish, because you know it's you don't find too many fishing partners that are keen to head down there and fish. From nine until you know, well after dark. So all day, lots of casting and no fish. So, yeah, that and still smiling at the end of it, presumably. Oh, look, you know the smiles we got there eventually. Um, yeah, no, there was there was a fair bit of heartbreak. Feeling a little salty. Yeah, feeling a little salty. I mean, we went pretty hard. Some some fellas pulled up. We actually arrived, and it was like it was so milky, and we managed to sort of work our way around and found some clear water eventually. Um, just 
you know, found some inlets and things like that that looked and felt very, very fishy. Um, and we thought, oh, well, we'll come back here on last light and should get onto a few. We went down and sort of we were fishing and didn't have much luck. And then we've been there for all of this time and these two old fellas just rock up, jump in 100 metres down from us and pull out two fish. Oh, we were, yeah, we were livid. Um, no, it was, it was hilarious, but yeah, obviously a bit to learn still, so. All right, Peter, all right, all right. Tell us about your fish. Yeah, tell us about this <laughs> this one fish. So if you tuned in last week, you would have heard me nagging Andrew to take me fishing to Parameet. And we got out there, we got on the water about a similar time to Forbes, 9 o'clock. And by 10 past 9, I'd caught my first tiger trout on a magoo. Hit the round of applause button. First, <laughs> first, yeah. first, fish, first fish ever. Yeah, it's my first fish I've ever caught. I'm really happy to... <laughs> To get that opportunity. He's glowing, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mum. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Other than that, it was a very, like, we rocked up and we're like, yeah, this is going to be good. Overcast, slight breeze. But after that first fish, it was dead as a doornail. We fished the best water. The water was crystal clear, but it was just incredibly quiet. Contrary to the reports of, like, where we've, Seen people have double-digit double days on tigers and browns. I swear I heard a guy today say that they could not keep their fly away from fish long enough to catch something bigger the last time they were there. <sighs> yeah, well, every dog has his day, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a fair bit to do with who I was being guided by on the day. Uh, this Andrew full of, like, <laughs> a bit of a questionable skipper. It always returns to the roast. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to cop it, folks. I'm not even. I'm just not even going to acknowledge it. No retaliation. Just dock his pay. <laughs> Peter, Peter's never having another day off uh, to go fishing. <laughs> no, you're not invited. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a great day underwater. Andrew's uh, very generous for giving us all fishing opportunities like that. Yeah, well, after guiding you onto that fish first thing in the morning, I thought maybe it was my turn to to get one. So I had to do do what I could to level the. The playing field. Yeah, and we, we really... We like, I yeah. didn't catch shit. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we really tried everything, though. We fished in the weed. We fished in the deep. We even pulled up at a bank and waited the bank. And, I mean, we ran, ran into a guide out there and they'd even had a quiet Cam. day. Ran yeah, we ran into Cam McGregor. Not just any guide. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can say his name. Uh, I know. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, and even he'd had a quiet day. They did better than us. They got two fish for the day, I think. Um but we saw maybe two fish move for a whole day on the lake. That's pretty disappointing. That's 100% better than what you did. <laughs> <laughs> we left before him. <laughs> yeah. um, one of the, the – when we last were fishing with Cam uh, for Murray Cod at Lake Yildon just a couple of weeks ago, um, and if you haven't listened to that podcast too, if you're at all interested in, in fly fishing for cod – um, but we kitted him out with a new drogue, and so we took that to Parambit as well and, and dropped it in. But, the yeah, the fly fisher drogue, we've got a, a bloke who's a, I guess, what is he, an upholsterer? Yeah, that's exactly what he is. Steve Milner. Shout out to Steve Milner. Hope you're listening, mate. Um, but he's, he's, he's bloody good at, at sewing things together, and he's created these unbelievable drogues, and we've got them available in the shop now. Um, 
a two and a half metre long drogue for a boat between, well, really four metres up to, to five and a half metres is, is all you need. Uh, they're 400 bucks. They're custom made just out of Melbourne. Uh, unbelievably good quality and they're going to last a lifetime. They come in a case as well. Um, we're going to be, I guess, publicising these a bit more and you'll see photos of them pop up on our socials. But Cam was kind enough to give us a bit of feedback on it and he loves it. And he said, you're not getting that back, I'm keeping it. So, um, you know, the, the drogue definitely ticks the belt. Dan, you've done some fishing? You could call it that, yeah. I went to, um, <laughs> I had a short window to get out the other week. He's done some casting. I did some casting and some swearing, a little bit of crying. No, I yeah, I went out to Murrubul, um, or as, as more affectionately known as Miserable. Uh, I had a really short window, just a couple of hours in the afternoon after having a couple of things on, and I very quickly dropped a fish, which I thought was promising, and then nothing. Didn't even see a fish, didn't see anything. He told but his mates. Yeah. Yep. I had some disappointed bait fishers trying to have a yarn with me on the way back as well, which I really was not up for. <laughs> oh, I couldn't even get him on power bait. I thought, is it fancy that? All right, have a good one. See you guys. You know, good to see you. Oh, wait, are you a fly fisherman? Oh, okay, yep, see you, James, thanks. So, yeah, look, no, it was an outing, but it was not a successful one. Was it dirty? What was no, it this, this was a week ago. It was Thursday, but it was, well, yeah, it was beautiful. Like, really, the, I mean, it's amazing to see those lakes all so full, you know, right up, a lot of structure in them that's submerged. They're looking just, yeah, I think you said last week on the podcast or the last episode or whatever, but, I mean, all this rain may not be good for right now, but, oh, it's good for the season. It's, yeah, it's going to be, the, you know, another cracker of a season just like last year, you know. So. Yeah, it's going to explode. What was your technique when you hooked onto that fish? What were you doing? I had, like, a team of uh, streamers, like a little zonka, tiny little zonka, and a little uh, damsel, like a really small damsel. I fish like size 12 and 14 little damsels um, and just treat them as like, um, uh, what are those? Just like tiny bait fish. What do we call it? Like smelt. a smelt. I keep <laughs> the word fry came into my head about 20 times. <laughs> I'm going, that's not it. That's not it. <laughs> yeah, just like little smelt type things. So, you know, similar to Tom, but it, I was, you know, it could be a Tom Jones, could be any of those in- things interchangeably, but just figure eighting, like real slow, trying to barely even move. If I could, so but yeah, very quickly fish on, and then even quicker fish off, and it was a bit tragic. So yeah, I also went and did some casting down the road at Albert Park Lake the other day, and happened to see fisheries stocking the lake for school holidays, which are coming up. So they popped uh, five hundred odd rainbow trout in there, as well as sixty of those pallet-fed stonkers, the ex-brood stock. Uh, and the minister for fishing and boating was you say sixteen hundred. No, 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 60. 60? Yeah. Did 1, I say 1,600? I was going to say. That's a lot of stonkers. I have already said that, but that's a lot of stonkers. They should put 1,600 in there. Yeah, yeah. they really should. Who do we need to talk to? Then you'd have yeah. a chance of catching one. Well, the Minister for Fishing and Boating, Sonia Kilkenny, was down there, and I didn't so much as get a smile from her. Oh, oh. Sonia. I know. I'm just, you know, your average recreational fisherman. Must and be the haircut on yeah. you, i got to say. <laughs> um, yeah, to not even be engaging with your direct interest group is... Y- you don't look approachable, Peter. Oh. <laughs> he is the friendliest face, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is not a threatening man. Max, however. Yeah, you'd be, 
you'd be a bit concerned if you saw Max walking around Albert Park Lake on sunset. I can't believe I've gone from Fabio to, uh, you know, to Jack the Ripper. I love it. There's no respect here, is there? But good that she was down there. What, was it just for a bit of a PR stunt, a few photos, that kind of thing? Yeah, there are about six people there with their phones out taking photos for Instagram. So, I mean, it's good for a bit of exposure and promoting the whole family fishing thing, which is great. Fisheries doing work to make fishing accessible. Like that's like, you know, it's five minutes walk from someone's house, not even. Stocking these urban waters has got to be one of the best things that fisheries have ever done. You know, I think if we've said it time and time again, but if there's a puddle with fish in it, people will fish it, you know, and to make it accessible for kids and get them out of the house, particularly during, you know, uh, a rough couple of years with COVID, I just think it's it's unreal, you know. And how good is it to go down and practice your casting and have a chance of catching a fish? You know? Absolutely. A chance. I didn't catch any. Well, a chance. <laughs> I would I would have thought you blokes would maybe overqualified for catching stockies like that, but you know, oh. each to their own. Oh look, I'm I'm not going to pretend. Ross, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> you you squirmy wormy fishing. You are having a crack <laughs> at some stockies yourself, are you? In one of the kitty lakes. I oh, sure am. I'd love to. I'd love to catch one of them. <laughs> um, so maybe we should talk about where we're fishing next then. Andrew, where are you off to next? Uh, uh next weekend i'm heading up to mary jig to a, a buddy's place up there and um fishing the delatite the Hawkwa, and yeah got a couple of nights up there so looking forward to doing a bit of damage up there very nice forbesy where are you off to i'm gonna hold out i think for a couple of weeks um see if some parking space opens up along some of the rivers in the northeast and and uh, try and hop in there. And You're just licking in. your wounds after a tough, tough trip to Tullaroy. I am incredibly hurt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I can't wait to get out on the rivers. Um, yeah, that was a huge day, and and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to going back and yeah, catching a few on dry and a few on nymph, and yeah, see what happens. Not nearly as many as me. Mm. <laughs> mm, all right, all right. Uh, I'm the lake fisherman. You're the river fisherman. Yeah, okay, we'll I don't know where there. this competitiveness has uh, crept in, but he right. brought it. It's alive and well. He brought he it. I ended it. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's, it's over one fish. That's what separates them. One the, fish. The one fish I caught. <laughs> that's very true, actually, because Forbesy, you were so well ahead in the fish stakes for you still water fishing through winter, weren't you? Oh, and then I went away, and he had all this time to go out. You've been taking him and training him. <laughs> guiding him, guiding he's, he's guided. I've done everything. Like I've basically been doing the casting. For <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Put this fly here. Yeah. Uh, where are you fishing next, Dan? I'm going to go. Uh, I don't know if I'll say exactly some of them, but all that towards that sort of Tarongo, uh, Tanjil, get up right up in the headwaters, some of those rivers. See if I can find some clear water. Just to have a look more, just to get out into the bush somewhere where there's no people. Yeah, yeah, away from yeah. people. Nice. Because yeah. I can imagine the usual haunts will be pretty busy, which is, you know, it's fine, but I'm sort of, yeah, hoping just to get out, uh, get some, just a fish, you know. Stonkers in the Goulburn doesn't do it for you? Oh, it does it for me. But I've, have you caught one in the Goulburn? No, I haven't actually. No. Oh, well. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Must be nice. <laughs> Mine was this. Tr- did not look good. A beautiful fish. <laughs> it, couldn't, it couldn't keep its condition on, so it had the head of like a 13, 14 pound trout and it probably, it weighed just over six. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. It was very long and slender. It kind of reminded me of 
One of the handsome gentlemen sitting here at the table. <laughs> a long, slender Italian gentleman. <laughs> oh, my and God. Where will so this is Max's last podcast yeah. for the <laughs> It's been nice knowing you. You're really tough yeah. tonight. <laughs> I sure have. Yeah, well, it should be nicer to you. Where will the long, slender Italian man yeah. be fishing next? Well, we'll have to ask him when we see him. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> in as far as me... Look, I've also got a friend um, in that uh, Marijig sort of Dallas Heights area. It's the same and friend. And no, it's not. Oh, is it not? No, what? I've got multiple friends. Max has only got one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh God. <laughs> Actually. Over and out. Max Caruso's yeah. out. <laughs> no, we both share the same friends. You're a roommate of his as well. Yes, but uh, I have another friend. Uh, and possibly uh, thinking Fishing of him. Friends. Well, <laughs> friends. May run into Andrew up there uh, in uh, not this weekend, the weekend after. So I was speaking to oh, also another mutual friend. Yeah. And uh, you may, there's a possible, we'll see what the rivers are doing, and there's a possibility we may just go. Good, man. If you're not sick of me after a week's work <laughs> and a few podcasts, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a fish together. That'd be fun. We might do I'd that. I'd enjoy that. We might do that. Can you bring the food? I'll bring the food. And uh, Roscoe, are you off to catch some stonkers? Yeah, mate, I'm keen to catch some stonkers. Yeah, I'm going to have a look at some local lakes and um, see what goes on and maybe even hit the salt water, see what happens this weekend. But yeah, plan is definitely to go fishing. That's a big block of chocolate you're munging yeah. into there, Roscoe. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the biggest block of chocolate I could find. I put it on the, the table at the fly fisher and, and ate the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> you've eaten the majority of this <laughs> and there's a quarter left. I run on strawberry uh, strawberry dairy milk and uh, and coffees. That's that's how I get so much work done. You run on anything that's being provided <laughs> free of charge. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> All right, what's everyone's favourite fly of the week? Are we, are, they, are we there already? Yes, we are. Did we everyone tell you where they're fishing next? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Okay, Keep sorry. We're there. We're there. We we're can, there. We can do it again if you like. Yeah, let's. <laughs> no, uh, squirmy wormy, my favourite fly. <sighs> yeah, that's a bit of a. It's also Max's. No, yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. I've Max's never own. actually caught a fish on a squirmy wormy. I have tied one on a couple of times, but I actually reckon that it is probably the fly for early season, and that's why I'm actually legitimately going to pick a squirmy wormy. They are a fly that we absolutely churn through here at the Fly Fisher, um, and they are a deadly, deadly fly. And I think most people around the table, maybe not Maxie, uh, has caught fish on a squirmy wormy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they're deadly effective flies. Uh, maybe not the most durable fly, but they are very, very effective. And being on that jig hook, they tend not to get hung up in that higher water. Um, my favourite fly of the week is also another good early season fly, and that is a tungsten Duracell jig. So that's a CDC soft tackle jig with a purple sort of dubbing for a body. Yeah, it's dubbing. Yeah, it's dubbing, yeah, and it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, rivers like the Rubicon and the Steve-O, it just does so well, and that silver bead's really uh, done really well for me in the past in the early season. You stole my fly. No, oh, did this, I really? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say Duracell jig. Um, I suppose I'll say uh, um, in retaliation. I suppose a, a hot spot pheasant tail, maybe something like that. Um, just yeah, something that stands out a little bit in this high water that we're looking at having. Uh, but a close second, the squirmy worm. Uh, there's no reason we shouldn't be promoting this thing. Get down there and beat that, beat that messy water, and 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 uh, yeah, catch a fish. Dan. Does it have to be uh, related to early season? Not at all. It's got to be in stock. 
but it has stock. In a stocky, is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, I'm going for a fly of a lifetime, not just the week. I'm going for the Griffiths Nat. Nice. Love oh. it. Love nice. it. You know, good. It's a classic, works everywhere, slays. It's just great. And, you know, lakes right now, midging fish, you know, it imitates sometimes a cluster of them or, you know, I just yeah, absolutely love the Griffiths Nat. So there you go. So that's a fly you've had a lot of success on. Oh, yeah. And not just on the lakes. Yeah, everywhere, fish them on rivers and everything. Yeah, fish smash them. Yeah, yeah well, wow. You that's can and obviously because you can tie them really small too. Hey, you know, they're quite a simple fly, but no, I'm a big fan. So you carry them in multiple sizes? Yeah, yeah, probably like mostly 16s, 18s. Yeah. But um, that's cool. cool. Sometimes you tie up some special ones when you're feeling a bit special. <laughs> <laughs> um, always good when you hear about a fly like that. That is a pretty traditional pattern oh, that, yeah. that someone's got so much confidence in. And it's not a fly that I've fished a lot. I've caught fish on it, but it's not like, you know, it's not the first one I pull out, so... Good on you, mate. It's been pretty popular. We're both, obviously, me and Dan have both spent a long time in red tag. It's been pretty popular in our club, um, especially in the late season, uh, lake fishing. I'd say that's due in part to uh, Peter Coles, who uh, was on the last podcast. Yeah, he was. I was going to introduce a nickname there, but I don't think any of them are suitable for this podcast. <laughs> but no, and he's, he's, he's really championed the uh, Griffiths Nat and you know, Slays catches a lot of fish on it. Are you guys his disciples? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Maxie, your favourite fly. Um, look, I'm thinking a fly that everybody knows, everybody carries in their fly box and rarely use, and that's the elk head caddis. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. The amount of times that I'm fishing with somebody and they say, what are you using and how come you're catching a few more than I am? And I'll show them good old elk head caddis. Yep. What, what colour elk hair caddis are you going for? With the body? I like an orange body on it. Yeah, love it. Yeah. It's the best fly. Yeah. It's I caught my first Very fish good. on dry with that. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And um, Only six months ago. Uh, yeah, <laughs> on the Taggarty River. <laughs> yes, and it, it was recently. They're highly visible and they're just they're a delight to cast when you're just dry fly fishing. And come evening, um, you often do get caddis hatches. And uh, they can be a deadly, f- deadly fly, yeah. uh, fishing uh, drifted as you would uh, in a good drift, or sometimes even skipping it along the water. Yep. Yeah. And often, uh, you know, you'll forget to retrieve your fly line, get distracted, and the flies uh, in the current downstream, and bang, there's a fish on us. And the good old Alcare does the job, even in those instances. I had a brown trout jump out of the water for an Alcare caddis. Andrew doesn't believe me about this story. I don't it, believe it, it. It oh. happened. It happened. The, shall- uh, the shadow cast is just in a movie, mate. No, no, right. no, no, it's true. No, it's, there's video evidence. We've no. replicated that before. In one of the really high little, not going to say the name of the river, but yeah, you just dangle it over a pool about like four inches off the water and the fish come out. You know, it took several goes to get an eat. But, but mid cast, you know, the fly. No, not mid cast. No. I mean, just just hanging <laughs> over the pool. Forbes no, means mid mid cast though, and oh, absolutely, absolutely, that's what I mean. I mid cast. I'm telling you the goddamn truth. Considering <laughs> you're about nine foot tall, and your rod would be, you know, another nine foot on top of that, <laughs> and then the line would be probably a foot on top of that. If you're talking about twenty foot, that fish has <laughs> jumped out. Yeah, the water. but you should have seen the size of the fish, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, no. Ah, we believe you, Forbesy. Awesome fly. Love, love the Alcare caddis. And um, just something I wanted to add to what Max was saying. It, 
have it in a few different sizes because having it small, it's a, obviously a fantastic caddis imitation, but you get it a bit larger. And once again, obviously caddis imitation. But when they're on the hoppers, they will smash an elk here caddis. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They the love bigger it. Ones. It's, it's my go-to dry. Love it. Andrew, One. favorite fly? Um, I've really, you know, that that last bit of warmth that we had over the weekend, you could smell it in the air. That just got me thinking spring and mayflies. Like, I'm still thinking it now. Um, we've had a couple of customers in this week that have got trips planned, you know, for a month from now. And um, it's going to be just so good on those lakes. You know, good water levels. Everything's in great shape. Uh, they've been well stocked. The mayfly hatches are just going to be off the hook good. So I'm, I'm talking, you know, Wendery, Newland, Hepburn, Moorable, um, Tullarook to a lesser degree. Um, it's going to be good. And so I'm going to say for the start of the mayfly fishing, a flashback unweighted pheasant tail. Um, maybe not a, a popular choice, but it's a fly that I've got a lot of confidence in. Um, and particularly when they start to get keyed in on them, it's a fly that they notice just with that little bit of flash in the head. Uh, I quite often fish it when there's a sporadic hatch on and you're just getting those onces, those fish that sort of pop up and then disappear. There's not enough mayfly in the water for them to be tracking. But if I can cover a fish with that fly and just give it a slow draw or a slow bit of movement in front of them, they pounce on it every time. So the unweighted flashback pheasant tail, the one we get custom tied in here just with the flash just in the head, but deadly fly. Is it a pheasant tail? Did you just say that? Yeah, flashback yeah, yeah, pheasant yeah. tail. Yeah. yeah, nice. Not a bad fly to tie as well for the fly ties out there. Yeah, what well, is like two materials. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. All right, uh, last week we s mentioned if we could fish anywhere in the world, where would it be? And we ran out of time to talk about it and we've kind of run out of time again, but we'll make it nice and snappy. Andrew, you wouldn't tell me yours before, so I'm <laughs> going to start with you. <laughs> um, so we're running a, a fly fishing film festival in here. What was the date again, Peter? 22nd of September. So that's a Thursday evening, folks. We've rented a big cinema screen and we're going to be screening some films in here. Uh, Nick Raygart is supplying all the footage of Gin Clear Media. Uh, he runs a fly fishing film festival throughout uh, South America and throughout Europe. And um, so he's got it all there, ready to go. He's been sporadically sending me files uh, for different videos, one of which was Cosmolito Atoll in the Seychelles. And so big GTs, uh, they land an incredibly big permit, um, great bonefish. Uh, I watched it and I was just drooling. Uh, this is a destination that I have actually been to many, many years ago and would love to go back to. Um, but yeah, Cosmo, I'd love to go to Cosmo. If I could be anywhere right now, I'd be clicking the fingers and going to Cosmo. Uh, you just picked mine too, I think, uh, Andrew. I've watched a few videos on Cosmolito and that looks absolutely unreal. But actually, places I've never been to, and I've fished in a quite a few places around the world, but I've never been to New Zealand, much to a lot of people's <coughs> horror. Um, and I watched a lateral line YouTube video last night and they caught some absolutely <laughs> ginormous kingfish a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I think I'd love to go and do that as well as the trout. So uh, everyone thinks of New Zealand as a trout fishery, but the saltwater fishing there, cold saltwater, 
water fishing is incredible. So I think if I could get on, uh, if I could teleport myself somewhere right this second, I'd be in New Zealand and I'd do a week there and I'd just split my time 50-50 between mm. the trout and the salt. Maxi? I'm thinking uh, jazz, I'm thinking bourbon, I'm thinking um, <laughs> wild nights, and I'm thinking the delta of the Mississippi oh. River in New Orleans, <laughs> uh, chasing redfish and um, uh, and uh, other species. I did that about five, six, seven, eight years ago, and I'm really busting to go back. You can party at night and have some great fishing 45 minutes out of New Orleans the next day. And uh, the guides are a hell of a lot of fun. Um, and the fish are big, they fight, it's visual and uh, very highly, highly enjoyable. You've seen a bit of the US. Is that the best of America, do you reckon, that deep south? That deep south is pretty good. It, New Orleans in particular is pretty good, I've got to say. And to, to have that sort of fishery nearby is just explosive. Peter, why are you <laughs> Dan, have you been over there to the US? Yeah, I've been in New York and LA and little bits and pieces, Vegas. Yeah, um, bit of background on Dan. He's a musician, but is the music been something that you've uh, got immersed in over there at all? Or yeah, that's the only reason I went. Yeah, so I lived in New York for a bit and, and just played and struggled a bit, and you know, then and, and did some study and stuff there. But um, I didn't fish at that time, so I don't have any kind of contribution beyond that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the states is a bloody it's a good place to go isn't it you know oh, it's a lot of fun yeah i mean some americans annoy the shit out of you but you know that's <laughs> <laughs> mark this on for racism <laughs> um but i reckon yeah the best of the, the best of it i've seen is is down deep south too max so i can see why the attraction there that'd be great great trip all right um, dan where are you going I've been thinking about this the whole time and just, just kind of flip-flopping between somewhere where I can catch like a muskie or a pike or something, but then also some of those sort of, um, I guess it's called the north northern districts, like up above Canada, you know, and doing some of the trout fishing in the lakes up there. Like, I mean, I saw a statistic a while ago that there's more fresh, world, fresh water in uh, Canada than there is in the rest of the world combined. And that, like when you look at maps and things, like it kind of drives my wife crazy, but I'll just be sitting there looking at some you know, something around Nunavut or something up in the northern districts around Saskatchewan or whatever and just like, oh, look at this bay, look at this spot, you know, and you mentioned if you had a boat you could live here. Yeah, so I think that <laughs> might be that might be kind of my thing somewhere up there, you know, fishing for trout and things. And Yeah, I think that could be a bit of a d- destination eventually one day. Cool, mate. That's great. I'm definitely... Uh, looking at going to New Zealand at some point. And that's, um, I, I think Ross took the words out of my mouth, really. I've, I've seen some of that kingfish fishery um, on social media and it looks so cool. To be able to catch a kingy on fly, that would be um, amazing. But I think my first thing, uh, I'll be getting over there and trying to get onto some congarira trout and, and sort of just seeing some of those national parks and I think the scenery of it looks cool. And, and one of the other things that, I don't know how common this is, I mean, it, you know, but those big meat-eating fish, you know, they're throwing mice, like mouse flies, mouse patterns out there, skating them along and getting these massive eats. I just think that looked epic. So I think that um, if I could go and do that right now, that's what I'd be doing. I have spent the last week obsessing over bonefish videos and Andrew hinted towards the Cook Islands, so I reckon I'd have to put myself there. That I've just watched probably every video there is on youtube about bone fishing and i just want to get to a bone fish destination as soon as possible 
the, but you were looking for a destination that you can go with a non-fishing companion. <sighs> so it, 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 it might have narrowed the search criteria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on a budget as well. And yeah, well, that, you know, young university student budget. Uh, kind of, but you quit uni. <laughs> you just scaled back your hours here <laughs> too, mate. You clearly don't need the money. <laughs> um, yeah, no, just anywhere, anywhere I can catch bonefish is where I teleport myself to right now. Atataki, though, that's like what I was going to say. Ataki. Yeah, Atataki, yeah. that's it. That's you know, yeah, I couldn't remember the name. Yeah, that's the one. Keep the miso happy. Yeah, seriously. But you go fishing. That's it. Yeah, there's <laughs> I. There's not many. I reckon there'd probably be only three or four. Really good locations where you, you could take a non-fishing companion and ensure that they're going to have a good time as well as you being in a in an unbelievably good fly fishing destination. But Atataki, hard to beat. Close proximity to Australia, easy to get to. Um, they speak English. The food is pretty average, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's four it's out of five ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. But, um, no, amazing destination and... Uh, Peter, do what you can to get there, mate. What are you waiting for? Uh, you to give me some time off. <laughs> I would, mate, but Forbes is on leave every every second week, so <laughs> every yeah. second day. Yeah, sorry, mate. I uh, yeah, this uh, Tullaroop vlogging Tullaroop over at Ataki. Uh, yeah, do. And uh, well, I think we sign off, don't we? Have anyone got any more stuff to enlighten our listeners with? No, I think we're done for the evening. Should we uh, crack over another beer? And Why not? Let's, yeah. let's do it. Sounds good. All right. Catch you next week, guys. See you guys. Bye. Bye.